The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hello, Child Free family and friends, Cody here, and we are here to talk about episode three, uh, debt management and the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck. I'm Cody, founder of Child Free Family and uh, co-founder for the Child Free Convention and all-around participant in discussions surrounding the child free lifestyle. And I'll be joined today by Dr. Jay Zygma. Dr. Jay and his wife have been married 12 years. They're both child free. He has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut. He's a certified financial planner. And a key thing to note about Dr. J, he is a fiduciary. Google that term, uh, but I'll tell you anyway. It means he must put the needs of his interests of his clients ahead of his own. And on top of that, he is an advice only and the only certified financial planner. So he is paid for his time by his clients. He doesn't receive any kind of commissions, kickbacks, incentives, and all that jazz uh, selling products to people. So his clients pay him for his time and his advice, and he helps them learn and manage their own finances. Welcome, Dr. J. Thanks for joining us again today. Good evening. Where'd you get that fancy shirt there, Cody? Man, it, I, I, it's fresh out of the package. It's still got some wrinkles in it because I haven't even had a chance to wash it yet. Uh, childfreefamily.com slash shop. A lot of cool child-free gear there. Uh, thanks for the, the lead in on that plug there, but I'm loving it. I love this shirt. I think it looks cool. Um, but yeah, a lot of great stuff there. Uh, the Child Free Convention gear is about to drop. Some of it already has, and the 2022 gear will be dropping shortly, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, and just a reminder to our audience that's watching us live right now, this is literally live, so if you uh, like, heart, comment, we're going to see it, and you can ask us questions. Um, Dr. J kind of says, stump the chump. If you have a, a good question for him that comes up on this topic, feel free to throw it out there. And this will also be archived later on YouTube. So if you're watching this into the future, riding your flying car, whatever you're doing, uh, you can still leave comments. And uh, if I'm alive, I'll, I'll answer it. And uh, I'll get Dr. J too as well if it's directed towards him. So with that being said, we've got our handy dandy disclaimer. The following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. With that out of the way, let's get into it. So, Dr. J, let's bust some myths. Do people living the child for lifestyle just have money pouring out of their pockets? Some do. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I guess the the one thing that people tend to think when they hear that someone doesn't have kids, in the back of their mind, whether they vocalize it or not, it's like, oh, well, they must have lots of disposable income because they're not spending it on childcare or extra clothes and food or a bigger house or um, planning for the, the savings for college for the future. And so that's, you know, really one of those things that's uh, kind of a negative stereotype for child-free people, or just a stereotype in general, it's negative, um, that they, they think that we are all just so well off and, and doing better than the average person. And what, what have you found in some of your, your studies and uh, conversations with folks? Yeah, so I've got about 200 plus responses now of, of different people on child-free wealth. And what I think I found is it's just like the U.S. The, the income disp disparities are there. The big difference is if a child-free person has their head above water, somebody explained it this way that, you know, they were struggling, they had their head above water, but if they had a kid, they'd drown. 
Mm-hmm. You know, so like, so they have just a little yeah. bit better. Um, if you look at the data, uh, single child less females in the U.S. over fifty-five have the highest net worth, but it's only by like ten thousand dollars. So it's not enough to be significant. Mm-hmm. So I think this assumption, hey, you're you know, you're child free, you're rich. No. What I have found in the data, which is interesting, is it looks like child-free people as a whole have less debt than okay. the U.S. as a general population. Um, the the got to get a lot more data to look at that, but that does look to be a trend. And I think the other thing is, frankly, we have more options. So there's more flexibility. There's ways ways to work around things, but that doesn't mean we're rich. Yeah. So. Uh, do you think that a person's finances growing up impacted their choice to even be child free? Yeah. So I grew up broke. Um, I don't know that it impacted my choice to be child free, but it did impact the way I look at finances. Um, as I'm doing these interviews, I'm getting to meet people from all across the country. And there is absolutely a trend that says, okay, people who grew up, whatever word they use, poor, broke, poverty, and lower class, end up as child free. Now that does not mean it's a direct, you know, it caused them to be child free, but there is a component of it. And part of that might be that, you know, everybody knows kids are expensive. So (laughs) it's kind of like, I don't want to be broke. Um, That might be part of it. I'm not sure a hundred percent. Is it kind of a, uh, you know, chicken and the egg routine or, you know, which came first, but there's definitely a relationship between growing up poor and choosing to be child free. Mm-hmm. Um, I just spoke with a couple the other day and they both very openly shared, hey, they grew up without a lot of money, uh, grew up in a, in a poor area. Um, one was very proud that they had a double wide, wide trailer, one had a single wide, you know, drugs and a bunch of things in their environment. And now they have a paid for house at in their mid thirties and well, we'll achieve essentially file or fire in the next few years. Hey, all right. You know, so they were able to get out of that cycle of poverty. But, you know, to them, it was part because they grew up, you know, one of them gave an example, said, father always said, well, I'm broke because of you kids. You know, <laughs> and I, I heard some of that when I was growing up, you know, uh, there's a, some colorful language around that. But, you know, if that's what you grow up with, well, it makes sense. It'd be some type of impact. Yeah, there's a, it's ingrained. Turn off the lights like you kids are burning the energy and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, similar upbringing with me you know I, we didn't grow up you know in the lap of luxury um i didn't want for not but we certainly weren't well off um and then out of college my first job i made 500 bucks a month and this isn't like back in the day when movies were a nickel like you know this is the early 2000s and you can't live on 500 a month you know i had to rely on a you know family for helping out you know um living with my brother in, in, in his house and crashing on a futon kind of scenario. But uh, it, I just wonder, like, down the road, did uh, my aversion to being in debt, like, lean me into the child-free lifestyle? Because at that time, I was just doing the life script, you know, go to college, find a job, do a job, get a job, and then, you know, get married, have kids, whatever. And so I was in the job phase and, you know, of course I'm thinking, okay, you know, dating someone, you know, and possibly having kids. And then, um, you know, life didn't go that way. You know, I worked my way through various jobs as, I, you know, I, I think you mentioned before, how many 
jobs does a typical chopper person have? You have a number on that. Uh, typ typical, you know, you and I are Gen X, Gen Y. That type of generation is going to do seven significant career changes. In career changes. Okay. Not job, career. Career. I would say, I would say three to four. So, I, and then, yeah, kind of became an entrepreneur and tapped out there. But um, when I met my wife, that's when the topic came up of not having to have children in a marriage. Like th that was never really talked about uh, or um, something that was brought up in a lot of conversations with uh, family, friends, upbringing in general. It's And so meeting my wife and, and going down the path of living a child-free lifestyle, it really kind of keyed in to what I was already like mentally doing anyway, you know, avoiding debt and, you know, stockpiling money wherever I could, if I could, and just building off of that little nest egg and watching it grow, you know, have a little money baby like that. That was that was it. And uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can see where coming from uh, not having extreme means can lead someone towards being child free because they they see they see the end result of of not having you know what they need to, to get by by seeing their parents um, struggle and, and that kind of thing. And I think. You know, I don't have enough data to back this up, but just my belief is that as people are in the younger generations, as we're talking Gen Y, Gen Z, mm -hmm. they're doing the math. Mm -hmm. Housing now is so expensive. I mean, insane. Yeah. Wages haven't caught up. And now you want to add another fifteen, eighteen thousand dollars a year, which is on average what a kid will cost you. The math just doesn't work. Yeah. You know, they're trying to figure out how to keep a roof over their head. I yeah. mean, we got people now living in groups of three, four, five, six people just to afford an apartment. And now you're going to add a kid. So I, I can't blame, you know, and that's not necessarily the way you were raised, but just, I can't blame doing the math and going, mm -hmm. it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, now, if somebody chooses to do that, that's their choice. I mean, I don't have a problem with that, but I think the child-free population as a whole knows the math a little bit differently and goes, well, I can afford my food, but I can't afford somebody else's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's always those, uh, th that clickbait article you see about the, you know, the birth rate declining or people waiting longer to, um, have a child or, you know, again, using the term childless when they should be using the term child free because they haven't really, um, disseminated between the two of whatever the article is. But a lot of people are delaying having that child until later in life because of a financial situation. They, they, look at their debt and they say, yeah, we, we, you know, they may want to have a child, but they financially know that they shouldn't. And it'll be real interesting to see what governments do in the future to like correct that. I mean, how how many tax breaks can we, can we give a parent to have a kid? I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I, I did an article on um, the, 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 whether or not population is an issue in finances mm. and for social security, it is. Because yeah, for sure. you need a bigger generation to take care of the generation that's retiring. And we're at that tipping point now where I don't know how the math is going to work for social. It sounds care. like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> it's like, you yeah. can have to pay it on is it a pyramid or a Ponzi scheme. You know, it's not actually, but just, you know, so I know, I know. but what happens is if, if the next generation's smaller, which is what's happening right now with the baby boomers and, you know, Gen X was very small. Mm. Um, it doesn't work. Uh, so I don't know, you know, I, I think there's some systematic things, but until the system is fixed, whatever mm -hmm. that means, I'm not getting politics. I, I'm, that is not my job, yeah. <laughs> but until the system is fixed, we have to figure out how to 
get out of debt, how to get ahead and figure out how to make ends meet, which is hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, we've got some good comments here. Um, Aurora is throwing some knowledge and info our way for her. Let me pull these up. So uh, she says, uh, I can see how we have less debt because we don't have to worry about putting children through school, which is, that's just education of a child is just one aspect of it. I mean, just think of daycare before you even really get into the, the school part of it. Um, so, so Cody, I had to do the math on that one yeah. for, uh, for somebody. Private school starting in like, you know, three, four years from now, private school for, for 12 years and then college for four years after that, over $900,000. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to go to college, kids. <laughs> I mean, I did, I, I, I did the math. Like, this is one of those, like, like in the CFP exam, we always have to do these math. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, because private school is about $25,000 a year times 12 years. Mm-hmm. Then we get into college once, you know, we're talking college price 16 years from now, 15 years from now. And the math, I, I'm like $900,000. That's a lot. I can buy one heck of a nice boat for that amount. Well, just the return on, I mean, so you have to make a million dollars just to break even on that education. I mean, (laughs) break even point almost. Um, She also says, uh, personally, her debt number is 40K due to various uh, uneducated financial choices. So don't know what those are, but thanks for for sharing that info um, with us. And so that kind of uh, leads into a couple of statistics here. And I'll, I'll bring it up. And if Dr. J wants to add some, that's cool too. But I found some numbers kind of along those lines. So we've got uh, the average amount of debt by generation, and this is in 2020 dollars. So this is like whatever, almost two years old, I would say at this point. So Gen Z, uh, 18 to 23 is uh, 16,043. So, you know, just went to college, just got out of college, or, you know, maybe you just have, you didn't go to college, you have credit card debts, car, or whatever it may be. Um, just trying to live life. Uh, 16,000 seems to be the average by what they found. And I believe this is from debt.org. So take the numbers with a grain of salt there. Uh, average amount of debt for a millennial is 87,000. That's quite the jump from 16,000 to 87,000. That's, I guess, after college. So there's your, there's your, your college, uh, degree in works there and your, your master's or whatever you kept going and doing Gen Xers, uh, 140,000. So now you've got probably the college debt and the house and the car and, um, you have potentially kids thrown in there as well. The boomers, it starts to tick down. So they maybe got their investments, paid off their house, maybe something along those lines. So 97,000 in debt. And the silent generation, uh, grandparents, great-grandparents even, uh, 41,000. So a greater decline probably, again, because they've paid down debts or, um, you know, just the due to inflation when they bought their house, they and they paid it off. That's, you know, paying off a house on a mortgage taken out in the 1960s versus the 2020s. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And those are averages. I think um, a couple things about that. One, the number I use as kind of back in napkin math is 56% of the people in the U.S. cannot afford a $1,000 emergency. So that means they don't have $1,000 to their name. Uh, now, you can have $100,000 in debt and still have $1,000 to your name. But, you know, it's just that's kind of the math. I think the hard part with those numbers, people go, well, I'm not doing so bad because I'm below average or above average. Or, yeah. Uh, but it's your, still your money you owe. Um, and I think when I look at things, I look at net worth, which is everything you own minus everything you owe, the hardest is going to zero, going from a negative net worth to zero. That's the hard one. Zero to a hundred thousand is the next step. Mm-hmm. Actually not so hard. Just takes a little bit of time. Going for a hundred thousand to a million, not a big deal. 
because you're already on good habits and your money's growing on its own. Mm -hmm. But that, that negative to zero, that's the hard one. And I, I hate to say, it, but many Americans will never have a positive net worth. Um, just because if you're, you're, you're writing, you're writing the debt cycle, you're stuck. You know, I, I just don't, I don't know. I, I'm this is going to be a soapbox, but I don't get how we can tell somebody at 18, they can sign up for a hundred thousand dollars in student loan, but they can't have a beer. Uh -huh. So we don't trust them to drink a beer, but go ahead and mortgage your future. Now you're getting into politics, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's one of those things. Well, even, even the, um, and again, people talk about, you know, forgiving education debts, uh, you know, your, your, your scholarship, not scholarships, but you know, your, your university, um, school fees. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, well, when do you wipe it clean? Does everyone get wiped clean? What about that person that just literally paid off the $60,000 that it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those conversations that we're going to have for a little while here. Um, Aurora asked if she needed more details on her choices. No, you don't, you don't have to, unless you want to like, you know, Get that involved in the conversation but um yeah if you want to add it that's cool I'll, I'll pull it up here um lenora has some thoughts for us let's see uh hey lenora my parents getting a mortgage in 95 in alberta canada was one hundred thirty-six thousand dollars. that's a good deal <laughs> me getting a mortgage at the same time in her area now for wow okay four hundred twenty-five thousand. yeah that's yeah and, and and the problem is at the same time those wages went up 10 or 20 percent you know it I'm all for the fight for 15 or whatever number we want to pick. But if minimum wage had, had just kept up with, with production, mm -hmm. it'd be more like $25 an hour. Yeah. And that's the growing pain that the unfortunate part of it where people see like, I, I hate seeing the memes because I know that it's bad information being shared. Friends don't let friends share bad memes. Hashtag that. Um, like they have the sign at McDonald's and it says uh, starting at like whatever, 22, $25 an hour. You know, I did research on that little meme. That's for a manager of that McDonald's, not for the person walking in off the street to work the fries. They're not making 25 an hour. That's what the manager will make. But it gets those people scared to say, oh, well, they want 15. Now they want 25. It's like, well, but we've waited so long to bring up that wage gap to what the inflation is like. Whenever it happens, yeah, it's going to hurt. Like it's going to it's going to hurt for a while until things kind of balance out. And that's, you know, micro macroeconomics colliding. <laughs> Yeah. So a, a reporter, I saw, I guess I saw a request today. Her question was how much student debt is okay. You know, so what, what's acceptable now, mind you, I've taught for state university. I taught for UConn. I taught for Ivy's. I taught for Yale. I taught for different places came out of academic system. My answer zero. Yeah. If I do the math on college <laughs> degrees right now, it doesn't work. Yeah. There was just a great article that looked at uh, return on investment. Some schools did, some programs did, but it was the minority of programs that actually were able to have a positive return on investment. And I don't know, you know, the, the, the challenge is I, you know, graduate with, let's just say 50 grand, which is about average student loan. And then it takes me a year or two to get a job because that's mm -hmm. what it really takes to get a real job. I'm not talking, you know, you want to work at McDonald's great. You should. Mm. but get a real job. So now that 50,000 is now 60, you know, and, and it's yeah. growing and you're just making your real money and real money, by the way, now is 45 grand, 50 grand. So you're making less than you owe in debt and people get stuck. I, I just had a, like a, literally this came to me while you were talking about this and education. It, 
if you go to university, the degrees all cost the same, but the job coming out on the other end can be wildly different. And that, that's a big difference. Like, you know, if you're, you're getting your major in underwater basket weaving and that pays, you know, 35,000 a year to, you know, 70,000 a year max versus someone that's going to go into, you know, making AI robot computer programming that starts out at, you know, 60 and goes up to 180 or something like that. Like, but you're going to pay the same to the university. And so that might be where a lot of this debt disparity comes into play. It's like, you know, the, you have a degree that doesn't totally equate to what you paid for, but that's, that's a whole nother, I, again, I'm just thinking this out like stream of consciousness here. Yeah. I think part of it is we need to think about school differently. Mm. So, you know, I tell everybody, if you're going to go back to college, which a lot of people are watching this thinking about it, then you should go to modernstates.org. You can actually test out with the CLEP test of up to two years of school. They will train you to take the test and pay for you to take the test. So you get two years of college for completely free. Oh, that's, that's a different model. Yeah. yeah. Cause now you can actually pay for yourself to go through school. You know, it could take a little bit longer too. That's okay. Cause mm -hmm. you already got two years out of the way. Yeah. You know, I, I did my bachelor's in nine months. Um, I went from no degree to, to a PhD in five and a half years. And the entire program I went through cost me a total of $8,800, oh, wow. because I tested out of most of the bachelors, took courses, um, state university, you know, this is not, you know, a for-profit garbage university. And then I went to, you know, another state university, UConn, but for graduate school, my thing is you got to get a graduate assistantship or you got to get some way where it's paid for versus you paying for it. You know? well, and, that, and that's the trick. It's just the, the, having that, the knowledge of what's out there and what's available versus what's fed to you that again, leading to, you know, we're talking about debt, like so many, you know, younger folks are just coming out of college so far into debt. And that, again, we talked about kind of leaning into that child-free lifestyle and they're delaying, um, you know, that process of, of even getting married or and then having a kid or whatever, but they're doing their best to delay that because they know it's like, you know, if they're even married or in dating somebody like, I'm, I'm out of the dating game for a while. I don't know. Somebody in the comments, Phil, do y'all literally ask like what kind of debt are you in? I have no idea, but that should be a very serious uh, topic to bring up. Um, it's like you run a credit report on your date. Like, is there an app for that? <laughs> so I'm laughing, Cody, because I do uh, sessions with couples a lot. And I actually encourage them. You have a meeting where you review each other's credit reports. And that one is scarier to most people than, you know, meeting the family or, you know, any of those other milestones. Mm -hmm. And actually in the child free population, there's a lot of people that have been together for decades, but never got married because of their finances. Okay. You know, because maybe mine's different than my wife's or, you know, we have different yeah. debt or we're bringing different things to it. And the challenge there is then we're not all working on the same goals. So that's could be good or bad, but we do need to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. What is your, your theory around debt? Uh -huh. You know, are you, are you someone who's, you know, YOLOing or, or whatever, and just put on a credit card and swipe it and done while the person you're dating is going, you know, I have no debt in my life. Uh -huh. And, you know, I have to laugh because when I get into social media and I don't know, I have a love hate thing with social media and you post, Hey, you should get out of debt. People just fire up. Yeah. About, well, there's good debt and there's uh, no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I look at the data and the data is real clear. If you want to have financial independence, whether you want to retire or live early, whatever it is, you have to do two things, get out of debt 
max out your retirement. That's it. Everything else just makes it, you know, faster or fatter or whatever. Get out of debt and then invest in, in your retirement. And it sounds simple enough to say, we'll just get out of debt and invest in retirement. But that, that's like the, the crux of it all. If some people are, they're so far in debt or even not even, I mean, it's relative so far as real, a relative thought. I mean, someone who's 20,000 in debt might feel as, as insurmountable as someone who's a hundred thousand in debt just because of their given situation. So, it, you know, with, with that thought in mind, um, yeah, it, it can seem insurmountable just to get over that level of debt, no matter what it is. And like, to me, when I look at debt, I think that is the opposite of freedom. Like if you have more debt, you have less freedom. And that that's like kind of a little, you know, mantra in my head. It's like, well, if, if sure you can buy this, you know, the newest smartphone or whatever it is right now, you know, uh, but what could that possibly be taking away from you in the future? And that's again, being kind of a risk averse person. That's how I'm always thinking of what's ahead. And like you said, some people they're out there, YOLO, are people still saying YOLO? I don't know. They're still out there YOLOing. Uh, you know, you only live once kind of scenario. You know, if you want it, get it. You know, if you want the Starbucks coffee, have it every day. And it doesn't matter. It's only, it's only whatever. I don't even drink Starbucks. You know, what, seven bucks? I don't know. So, but, you know, you spend that every day and it adds up. And I, you have a, did you have a figure on that? I think you did. If you, if you saved or. Yeah. So I, I've lost my Starbucks numbers because <laughs> they've actually, they've actually raised their price three times since October. And wow. I told somebody that the other day because it was a great stat because it was publicly shared. And they're like, they did what? You know, and what they're doing is they're raising their price to the point where people aren't going to pay it anymore. Uh-huh. But they're but the one by here still has a line out the door. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think the challenge is you're on the right page. If I got 10 grand in debt, eh, throw another 500 bucks on it, whatever. I'm already drowning. I'm yeah. already, <laughs> uh, you know, and you get stuck at this, you know, and I grew up broken. You, you learned better on managing money than I did the first time. Uh, my family, my, my father was a bus driver. My mother uh, was disabled for most of her life. So uh, a lot of medical bills. So if you ever hear me talk about medical bills, that's a mm. different debt problem. But I never learned how to manage money. You know, in high school, I learned how to balance a checkbook, which is a waste of time. And I actually, you and I are uh, similar age. I'm 43. So you're right about the same age, Cody. Mm-hmm. So in the mid nineties, I was, uh, coming out of high school, couldn't afford to go to college, didn't want the debt. So I ended up doing what I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do computers, but I ended up in the internet world, which in the late nineties was peak internet world. Yeah. I actually moved to New York city and and spent some time there. And I had made my first million before I was 21. And then because I had bad money habits, I spent most of it by the time I was 25. (laughs) Why not? More money will come. It will just arrive. (laughs) You know, I bought a Hummer, you know, the old school Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, Hummer, you know, yeah. paid my house, paid for my parents' house, I paid for college for my sister. You've made up for that carbon footprint by not having a kid, by the way. You, you've <laughs> neutralized that Hummer by itself many times over. <laughs> I, I think the thing is, though, people just assume that, like, we're going to learn this stuff somewhere. You know, I just talked to somebody the other day who said, well, I went to school, did four years, and then I came out and, like, I was never taught how to actually work. Or like how to manage money or we don't. And what happens is another one of those college ones, they hand you a student loan and hand you a credit card at the same time. Yeah, they do. You get the the free t-shirt. You get the shirt. You do get a shirt. doesn't say child free on it, but. (laughs) So we start this habit of debt. And then what happens, and I've done coaching, life coaching and financial coaching, all that for over a decade. And people get to a point in their life where 
but they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, mm-hmm. they're just like, I had enough. And that moment is important uh-huh. because you have to get sick and tired of debt. You have to make it not an option in your life, but we've been doing it our whole life. You know, for mm-hmm. me, I was, you know, taught, Hey, get a great credit score and you can do whatever you want with it. Uh-huh. Credit score is a stupid measure. Because all it's a measure of is how good you are with debt, that paying, not how rich you yeah, are. About paying back your debt. <laughs> you know, I used to I used to buy the car every year, roll it over into another. The payment would stay uh-huh. the same. And I had some nice cars, loved the cars, but not getting ahead. Uh-huh. So you have to have that moment where you're like, forget it. For me, um, my wife is much, you know, she's, she's very calm and doesn't spend much money. And she's not into cars like I am. And... I had bought her a car and uh, we had gone through, paid all, paid it off. And all of a sudden I paid off the car and I was like, wow, you can actually pay off a car. <laughs> yeah. And, and that was like weird to me because the way I was raised, you always have a payment. Uh-huh. And then you realize, oh, I have more money now. And then you start on this cycle. And the hard part is shutting off the debt. Uh-huh. The first step to getting out of debt is shutting off your credit cards. Now, there are people that will start, you know, sweating and, you know, freaking out about not having their credit cards. But if, you, if you're just swiping for everything, no matter how much you're fighting to get out of debt, you're still adding more. So you have to make that first step. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll admit I still have a credit card, but I have never have a balance on it. Yeah. It's zero. How about you, Cody? Yeah, same thing. If, if, if I put something on there, it's going to be zeroed out by the end of the month. Like I never carry a balance over. It, it, to me, it's even like if you just pay that whatever $25 minimum balance, whatever, like you're literally giving away like 20 of that in interest. Uh, I don't know the numbers. I'm just making up numbers, but you're giving away a big chunk of it just to interest and you'll, it's, that bothers me. So it's like, you know what, I'll pay the whole thing off. But again, I'm not going into debt buying things that I don't necessarily have to have. It's like groceries, utilities, like things that I, I have to to pay for insurance, whatever it might be. And it's just a, a you know, uh, a, a, my budget for what I have of a budget, that's what it is. I know what it's going to basically be and just paying it, paying it down. But yeah, with the credit cards, it, it's crazy. As soon as you go to college, uh, they all had the t-shirt for me. It was like the, the John Belushi, like block letter college. Like that's what they were trying to give away. So of course I had, you know, a line of people to, to get that and like credit scores, for example, like, yeah, it, it is good to have a good credit score, especially if you're, you know, looking at what debt will cost you. Like the difference in a few points of a mortgage could be a big difference in your your monthly payment. So, yeah, credit card uh, scores make a difference. But for me, like right now, I have a great credit card score, and I don't care. I'm never going to use it. Like, you know, should I just max out all my cards like when I'm 90? And you know, there you go. Like, let's just ruin this real quick. Yeah, and the hard <laughs> part is. If you got a thousand dollars in your credit card, adding another hundred bucks, once again, you just do it. Mm. You know, mine are always zero. I pay them weekly if I have, if mm. I put anything on them. And that's a, a habit that I couldn't have until I had gotten out of debt. Yeah. I had to actually shut them all off, close them, not use them, get all my debt gone. Then I can relearn the habits. It's just like dieting. Okay. Yeah. You know, you and I have talked about this. Me, a bag of Doritos, that whole bag is disappearing. You know, I just can't have it in the house. Well, same thing with credit cards is you just can't have that. And what happens is you're also, because you have the credit card, you live outside your budget. Hmm. So, for example, 
you get to the point where you're, you're bouncing, you know, about to bounce a check, you know, your account saying, you know, you got $10 in it. You go, well, I only have to make it a Friday. So I'm just going to use this card. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is Friday comes and you start all over on this cycle every week. Uh, it was interesting. You mentioned McDonald's, the one here in Mississippi. I just saw this uh, last week in Tupelo. They're, they have an ad. It's $10.50 an hour. Okay. I'm in Mississippi. Minimum wage is seven and a quarter. Mm -hmm. But it says they pay daily. Man. Well, it, you see that now on, on TV. If you watch TV late at night, if you, if you watch TV at all, us old people that still watch TV, not streaming everything, um, you'll see those like uh, those credit cards, like get your payment two days early. Like that, that they all plug like getting your payments two days early because they know people have to have their money because, you know, they're getting those phone calls and the bills are coming and the minimum balances and all that fun stuff. And so let's take a step back real quick. So like our scenario, like we're two people who came from a mindset and adjusted our thought process and said, you know what, debt's bad, not doing debt, but let's invent a person. So let's say, you know, uh, this person, you know, whatever, they're uh, 24 years old, um, still in college, haven't been hit with the student loans just yet, but they're already like a, you know, a couple thousand in in debt for credit cards and you know whatever just going to school um what should that person start to do or maybe what should their i don't know like you can't get someone to change their mindset because if they're already going into debt like how do you get them to, like how do you yeah I, so, I guess when do you know you're going off the cliff like this so, so um the, it this goes back into um addiction literature mm. do you have to hit rock bottom before you stop and that's a good question with debt um, and rock bottom subjective. I mean, different people have a different threshold of financial pain. Yeah. And the data says if you go into bankruptcy, you're likely to go right back in. Because I, I argue bankruptcy is like pushing the easy button. You know, mm. I'm going to start over, mm. but you didn't learn new behaviors. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to be that young person and you're saying, okay, maybe Cody's not crazy. Maybe I should get out of debt. I don't know. You have to have a goal. Because mm -hmm. the goal is what's going to get you there. Because getting out of debt and breaking the, the paycheck to paycheck cycle, because that's the other thing we're talking about, takes two parts. It takes you as a person, but it also takes a change in your environment. So if we go back to the, that addiction literature, if, if I'm stopping drinking, for example, I can't hang around people where they're drinking. Uh -huh. Well, with debt, it's the same thing. Well, Cody, you just graduated. You deserve a new car. Uh -huh. No, you don't. <laughs> if your car works right now car prices are insane i mean they're three four grand over over sticker stay with your car mm. okay and and what you need to do though is make a change personally but also in your environment mm. because the hard part is we have uh, and it's true there, there's issues in the system the system's broken we talk about housing and wages and all that yeah but the other part of it is our family and friends can hold us back on our debt journey also because everybody seems to have an opinion of what you should do with your money. You know? And they'll tell you, no problem. <laughs> you should do this job. You should oh do that. Oh my gosh. And it's all their life. It's the same people that are saying we should have kids. It's like, I mean, it's like oh, you took your car in for whatever you needed to get, uh, you know, the tires rotated. Oh, just get a new car. Don't, don't worry about the tires. Just buy a whole new car. <laughs> yeah. So what happens is when you say, hey, I'm not using credit cards anymore. I'm just using cash or debit card. People are going to look at you like you're crazy. Mm. Well, credit cards are safer. No, they're not. They, you know, there's some differences on how you claim it if, they, if it gets stolen, but it's not really a big difference. But the other part of it is it's just part of the culture. Mm. You know, if you tell your family, hey, I'm just 
getting rid of debt and you do it. If you get out of debt, then they start pointing fingers and you go like, how the heck did you do that? And some family and friends will try to pull you back down because it makes them look bad. Mm. Well, if Cody did it, well, why can't I? Well, mm. we lose our excuses of, well, the environment or, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, so, you know, the poster I put earlier, I think it was, or I got $40,000 in debt. Well, my personal belief is until you get rid of that debt, that's your number one priority. You know, yeah. you're not seeing the inside of Russia unless you're working there. You're, you're working hard at that. And where I catch some pushback and I'm just, just going to lay it out. I argue you got to get rid of the debt before you start investing. Mm. What do you think about that, Cody? Well, you can, we, we touched on that in a previous episode about your, you know, if you're paying an interest rate of odds are at least 16% up to whatever, 29.9 in Georgia where I live, um, odds are you're not going to get that return on investment in the stock market. <laughs> so, or, or, or your 401k or whatever, like you just won't see it. So yeah, to eliminate the, the debt is, is more important in a lot of cases than uh, trying to put that retirement fund. If you have to choose, if it's left hand versus right hand, one is debt and one is retirement. Yeah. Take care of that debt. Cause as soon as it, that, that's, that was really the light bulb that went out for me. It's like, okay, once I was at zero debt, it's like, man, it's like, now I can focus on retirement and nest egg savings and da 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 just it i mean it's cliche but life became easier like when you have zero debt and get that freedom life truly does become easier and for the people out there watching this uh later on uh, maybe it's archived and you're you're in debt like that just like dr j said it's like that should be your main focus it's you know if you gotta you know you might be thinking i'm already tightening the belt i've already got one job and a side hustle and i i'm crochet hats and sell them on Etsy or whatever. Like you might have so many things going on that to me, that's the correct mindset. It's like, yeah, just keep like, keep plugging along because unfortunately you have that debt. Um, unless somehow it was bequeathed to you, uh, it, you kind of did it to yourself. I don't know how not to put it bluntly. It's like you did it to yourself. So yeah, you have to fight your way out of it. And the debt's going to fight you the entire way. Debt wants to keep you in debt. Debt it, wants it, to keep you in debt. In the U.S., there isn't a bequeath of debt. Uh, it had to be it has to be a really weird situation for it to pass down. Um, so you know, it's one of the few ways to get out of debt is die. It's, it's like, well. it sounds terrible, but <laughs> the only way to get rid of student loans is die or be permanently disabled. I mean, it, it, it's terrible. But what ends up happening is a lot of people go, "Well, I'd like to get out of debt, but you know, I got to pay my bills. I got to do this. I got to do that." Well, what you really got to do is put debt as a priority. So, for example, if you say, I'm going to take everything from February that's left over and put it towards my debt, you're not going to make progress. So, what you need to do is start off February and go, okay, I'm going to put $500 towards my debt. I'm making it up. Mm. But, okay. So, you know, the, the poster said, I have $40,000 in debt. Cool. Well, if you're going to put $500 a month, it's going to take about six years, a little more than that, to get out of debt. $1,000 a month is three years. So we have to figure out that balancing act right. to get out of it. And then we have to both cut and bring in more income. You know, they, you know, they talk about a shovel and hole. You know, you need a bigger shovel or, or you need to get a smaller hole. Or, or if you've got a bigger hole, you need a bigger shovel. The hard part is that does mean, unfortunately, gig jobs and, you know, delivering pizzas uh -huh. and breaking leaves and whatever it is. Because the problem is you can get into debt very easily. Oh, yeah. You know, 
Oh, they'll give you, it to you. They'll give you debt all day long. <laughs> so, you, want, you want to see good debt? Go 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 to a timeshare meeting and you'll have thirty thousand dollars in debt before an hour is <laughs> over. That's easy. Getting out of it's much harder. Mm. And, and that, what, that was actually said right here in a comment. Yeah, falling in debt is easier than climbing out of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And what happens is people are trying are still pulling you back into it. Mm. Right. Uh, the the worst is you know payday loans. I don't know if you've seen these, but oh, yeah. can, so there's a, usually a cap on interest, whatever it is, 25, 30, 40% depending on the state, but then they have fees. Well, most of those payday loans are hundred percent interest or better. So what happens is you're stuck because I took a payday loan to get to Friday. Mm-hmm. Then I still owe the one from last week. So I have to take one for the next week and, mm-hmm. and it just keeps Double. going. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the hard part is, it can it can seem overwhelming, and, and you mentioned snowball, and maybe the, people talk about paying off debt. Two methods: snowball or avalanche. Mm. Snowballs you pay off the smallest first, avalanche pay off the the highest interest. I'm a fan of the snowball because it shows you're making progress. Yeah, it it, it gives you that little glimmer of hope. It's like okay, this this credit card or this uh, revolving line of credit credit is now closed. Like whatever. Like, like let's say you bought some furniture at some store and you, you, you finally paid that furniture off and it, great. Like take, take the win, like, and, and enjoy the furniture and don't buy any more furniture in the foreseeable future. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think, especially since we talk about student loans, I mean, you come out uh, with a $50,000 student loan, it's going to, it's going to feel like you can't do anything. All right. And if that student loan is six, seven, 8%, which is kind of the average, that student loan is going to double in about 10 years. Mm. So all of a sudden you got a hundred thousand dollars. Now you're let's see a 10 year. So that'd be 31 with a hundred thousand mm. dollars for your degree. doesn't matter if it's good or bad degree or where it's from. And that might be the debt with the highest interest or whatever, but you know what? Start with a small, start with something you can accomplish and move it through. So really what we talked about was, okay, great. First thing is we got to stop taking debt. Then we have to start paying smallest to largest. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is celebrate your wins, you know? So if you want to burn the credit cards or, you know, do whatever or put it online, you know, whatever the show is, that's great to celebrate. And ideally with some type of accountability partner, you know, so Cody and I could partner up and say, Hey, Cody, we're both getting out of debt. Let's hold each other accountable because that does help to have somebody where you have to go. I messed up this week because we will. Yeah. And I put $100 on the credit card because I needed Uber Eats. I hate that one. But that's what I hear. You know, sometimes we use food for things we shouldn't. You know, we're trying to feel better. But now I've got a $100 bill from Uber Eats that's now at 19% interest. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and now I'm $100 further in the hole. It, well, and let's let's do another little reset here. So we're talking about student debt and things of that nature. And you mentioned medical bills. That's kind of the yeah. the, the, the the elephant in the room for a lot of people is let's say they're uh, on disability. They're not able to have uh, the ability to go out and just get as many gig jobs as they want. They're, they're getting a very fixed income and they have medical bills and, and medications every month. Like what would you say to that person who just has, again, to them seemingly unsurmountable debt? Yeah. So the number one cause of bankruptcy in the United States is medical bills. And it's, it's, it's sad. I mean, there's no other word for it. You know, the, the healthcare system right now is broken. 
So a couple things. First of all, and I do a lot of work with people that are in disability and working through the system because the system for disability is hard. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it could take a year to, to get a notification from Social Security, you know, and you're now broke for a year. And now you're not only got the medical bills, but you got how you feed yourself. Um, so first thing on medical bills is my thing is got to go back to the healthcare organizations and ask them for charity care financial aid. People don't realize this exists. Or that you can ask. Yeah. <laughs> or that you can ask. It does exist. If you're yeah. broke, they go, look, we know we're not going to get it. So maybe they settle it or uh-huh. they write it off, depending on the organization. Uh-huh. And hospitals, because they're, you know, the nonprofit hospitals have to do a certain amount of charity care just to keep up their nonprofit status. So ask. The other one for medical bills is negotiate. You know, you'd be amazed. You could shop around for an MRI. And the difference in price could be thousands of dollars difference Uh by shopping around, you know, and and now the real trend, and I'm not going to get into this one and weigh in yes or no, but is medical tourism. People go to other countries. It's cheaper to fly Uh somewhere. Uh People do it for dentistry, cheaper to fly and get dentistry done than it is doing the U.S. Yeah, I've I've heard that. I've got some friends that have literally gone uh, to other countries for uh, different procedures to have them done. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the one caution is if you're heavy in debt, if you ask a bankruptcy lawyer, should you go bankrupt? Cody, what do you think their answer is going to be? I mean, if, if, if they're going to get the fee, hey, that's what you got to do. <laughs> it's just, just how it works. Uh, that's nothing against bankruptcy attorneys. That, that's, that's, your, that's your deal. I get it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So the weird thing is um, for many people, you may actually need to pay somebody to help you change your behaviors around money to get out of debt. You know, and I did financial coaching for years and it's really weird to tell people, Hey, you know, you're $30,000 in debt, but you need to pay a coach to get you out. Uh And part of it is what you've done the last five years hasn't improved it. Uh So something needs to change, whether it's a, a a coach. Now financial coaches, one caution can be anything. So it could be good, bad, and ugly. Uh, If you can find, there's some nonprofits that are off offering financial coaching, or financial counseling. There's also financial therapists. So one of the things that I find when people are heavy in debt is often they're spending their money for things that are behavioral. So for example, they're spending their money to give love. You know, they're showing their love by spending money. So we may have to break some of those habits in financial We're getting therapists. getting heavy now. <laughs> We're getting into it, but you're right. You're right. The, the cause of debt is partially us and partially our environment. Yeah. yeah. You know, the way we're raised or whatever else it is. Um, and then, you know, you can also work with a financial planner or others, but it's, it seems really weird to pay somebody to help you get out, but something has to change uh-huh. and it's not the numbers. You know, I've, I've done people's budgets year over year over year. It's not the budget, it's the behaviors. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you know, for example, every time somebody's in debt, number one thing I cut out is dining out. Uh-huh. People are like, well, wait, I, but, and they're spending thousands of dollars a year maybe people spend thousands of dollars a month Uh on dining out and that's all going on a credit card yeah that debt's stealing from your future i don't need uber eats that bad Uh you know but that's a behavior thing Uh they're like well but i don't know how to cook well then you should learn yeah (laughs) yeah you know all these you you just found a new hobby (laughs) you know meal prep makes a big difference you'd be Uh amazed and now there are those people that, you know, literally are barely making ends meet. 
you know, for whatever reasons, most of the time that's because of something else in their life, a medical issue or history issue or traumas or other things that they need help for. And, but the money is a symptom of it. Uh-huh. And that's the hard part. You know, if you, if you can't find a job, well then maybe you need a job coach and there's actually services for the States to do that. There's different things, but you need to change something. We have to recognize and change. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I encourage people is to track month over month your net worth. Everything you owe, sorry, everything you own minus everything you owe. Mm-hmm. And one year from now, you want to see it to go up or down. And when I say down, that means in negative numbers. Mm-hmm. And up is closer to zero. And what happens is most people, when I do this net worth example, if we look back six months, they're more further in debt than they are. You know, now they're further in debt than they were six months ago, mm-hmm. which tells me they're still going downhill. Mm-hmm. We need to stop the slide down before we and, can start going And could up. that be the fact that they're doing that minimum payment and still adding on more debt in some form or fashion? Yeah. So if you do a minimum payment on a credit card, yeah. most of them will take you 10 years to pay it off. Mm-hmm. That's the way the math works. Some mm-hmm. can go up to 25 um, just to pay off that $10,000 bill or whatever it is in the credit card. Mm-hmm. What it is is they haven't cut debt out of their life. It's still mm-hmm. an option. When you don't have the option, you get scrappy. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm broke, then I'm selling something that I own in order to pay, you know, Make sure I'm fed. I don't yeah. know what it is, but something. Well, and it's tough out there for the social currency. You know, you're on whatever social media. You're seeing the pictures of someone's. They're out at some restaurant having a fancy meal. Picture, picture. They're sunset at the beach. Picture, picture. And you get caught up in what I call it social currency. It's you know what people they keeping up with the Joneses digitally. And this it's like, well, I've got to do that now, or I have to find something, you know, on the level and do that. I mean, just steal something off of Google and put it on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way I look at it is with the social media is we see our own blooper reel, but we see other people's highlight reel. Mm. You know, we see that nice new car they got, but not the seven hundred dollar payment to go uh-huh. with. And we don't know that they're in debt up to their years. And our family members do the same thing. The other problem with social currency, as you're talking about, is we're comparing against groups that aren't us. Uh-huh. I live here in Mississippi. It's one of the poorest states in the country. People have great life here, uh-huh. but if I compare life in Mississippi. To life in LA or New York City or wherever, it's not apples to apples. It's not. <laughs> but on social media, it looks the same. Yeah. You know, it's it just, I could not afford the house that I'm in if it was in just about any other state. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it's just, so we're not comparing. And what happens is, you know, we get this, you know, comparison being the thief of joy, that comparison starts hurting us. And then we just rack up the bill and the debt. And go, well, we'll just pay this off someday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for some people, that kind of leads us in a conversation of what what is your definition of the cycle of living paycheck to paycheck? How can someone try to break that cycle? Yeah. So paycheck to paycheck has nothing to do with how much money you're bringing in. I've met people that have gotten, you know, they make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year mm-hmm. and are paycheck to paycheck. And I've met people with tens of thousands who are not paycheck to paycheck. So to break that cycle of paycheck to paycheck, first of all, you need to get on a budget. We talked a little about that last yeah. time. It, you need to have a system. Don't care which one. Something. A budget system. Mm-hmm. Every penny that comes in needs to have a job. My wife and I just had this discussion. She likes to do side work and just fun things. She's an epidemiologist. So she always, there's always stuff, especially right now in public health. And I was like, great. My rule with her is don't do it for free because lots of people will take free work, but it doesn't, I, 
it doesn't matter what she makes. Why? Because we don't live paycheck to paycheck. Everything mm -hmm. is budgeted. Any extra dollars go towards our goals, but we have a plan. When somebody's living true paycheck to paycheck, we tend to get in a feast or famine psych. Yeah. So I get paid on Friday. I'm yep. rich on Saturday. Yep. And it's gone by Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure it made it through Saturday sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I did it, you know, and it gets worse if you're on a job with variable pay commissions, bonuses, things like mm -hmm. that. We're like, well, this is a bonus. I wasn't counting on it, so I can blow it. No, mm -hmm. you can pay off your debt is what you can do. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. that's where we get into this. You know, uh, my father did real estate for a while growing up. Real estate agents live feast or famine all the time. Mm -hmm. You get a commission check, you are rich. And yeah. then it might be a month or two before you see another one. And you get bad habits. Mm -hmm. Because you're, you're living like that rich check you got. And now you're broke. Mm -hmm. Well, we're doing the same thing Friday to Sunday, whatever it is. And then what happens is we're barely making it through the week. We're eating ramen noodles. And then by Thursday, we're freaking out and we're like, screw it, put it on the credit card because uh -huh. we're getting paid on Friday. We'll just pay it off on Friday. But it never happens that way. It, it, that brings up an interesting thought. And I don't know if someone can do the research if it's out there, but how or I guess when people are paid, if they're paid monthly, weekly, biweekly, how that affects their paycheck to paycheck living. Because like you said, if you get it paid once a month, you get a big cash bomb and you pay off whatever bills you have. And it's like, well, I've got an extra whatever, $2,000 and it's gone like that I, I, versus getting it like weekly or biweekly. I wonder what the numbers come out to in those different scenarios. If you happen to know something that's yeah. Awesome, so but. I've done budgets for people on this. And if you have a longer, you know, every other week or once mm -hmm. a month, you're almost forced to budget a little bit more because, okay, yeah, because if I'm paid weekly, I can make it to Friday. Yeah. Okay. I can run through whatever foods in the basement. <laughs> I can, I can make it to Friday. Hey, if I run the money on the 15th and I don't get paid to the 30th, that's a long two weeks. Okay. And my wife does research on food insecurity. That's actually one of our areas. And we were having a great conversation about this McDonald's paying every day. And I don't know if you getting your pay, you know, I work eight hours, I get my pay immediately. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that helps or hurts you. If it's healthy, yeah, me mentally healthy for someone that is in a lifestyle of debt of buying, consuming, yeah, like it's almost like you're 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 feeding the machine. Like, oh, uh, you're you're paid every day. You can live up to your means and go over a little bit every day, and every day you go further in debt is bad. <laughs> so. Well, but on the flip side, if I'm if I if I'm truly in poverty, getting a paycheck every day means I can feed my family tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's the balancing act that I don't know. Yeah. Um, it was the first time I had seen it, this McDonald's, and it was like a week or two ago. And I'm, I'm, it's still like stuck in my head about daily. And by the way, if McDonald's is doing it now, then other places will do it tomorrow. They'll do it I mean, too, just, yeah. It just, and it makes sense. You know, they have the time cards every day. So why can't they pay every day? Mm -hmm. um, but does that encourage bad behaviors? I, 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 that's, a, that's another study. I mean, is it out there? Who knows? Tip, tip for someone looking for a, a doctoral study. Here you go. <laughs> Look into that. Yeah. I, I think the bottom line is the first step is to stop using debt. Mm -hmm. The second step is to get out of it. You know, and, and that the first step might actually be harder than the second. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. 
Um, well, just getting ready to wrap things up a bit. I like numbers. I like crunching numbers. Dr. J can't really maybe add too much into these numbers that have just literally come out of my head, but it got me thinking about being child-free and what debt means and what it means to have a child and what that costs. Because we all hear the numbers, I believe, depending what research you find, it's anywhere from 230 to $270,000 to have a child from like now to 18. That's the current numbers that are floating out there. Um, so I just went, did some, this internet search, boom, um, found my friend old Wikipedia here. Um, so this is 2011 numbers. I hit that little number seven, looked it up. So this is all based off 2011. It's super old data. Uh, but USDA, this would be a dual income, people with two incomes, but they're what you would consider at the poverty level. This is, so basically uh, a scenario of this might be, hey, two kids just getting started in life baby here it comes so um what it might cost them with their thirty-eight thousand dollar a year jobs this is a year one to two year three to five six to eight and what it would cost uh per year and i went and i broke that down i said okay so looking at this face value again 2011 uh, 169,000 to take that child from zero to 17 is what the numbers say i said well what if they took that same and money and made a money baby and they invested it at just a five percent return uh, and I, I just spent spent the Excel sheet and spit it all out. And it came out that they would make $262,000 versus losing $169,000. And that's, it, I look at that as the, it's opportunity cost. Would that be the right term, Dr. J? Because it, it, they, they're losing $169,000 versus making $262,000. That's not a two hundred. That's not $100,000 difference. That's like, would that be a, a $300,000 difference because you're going up, you're going to zero and then you're going above it. Um, very interesting to look on, on ha have money babies, make a money baby. Uh, anyway, I just thought that was interesting. I had to crunch numbers just to see what, what it would be when you hear these numbers about kids cost this much. It's like, well, what if, you know, what if you invested that money and, and to do that, you, you know, you'd have to budget for it and retirement and blah, blah, blah. But th those are some random numbers that I kind of threw out there. Someone please correct me. If I'm wrong, my math sucks. All four being corrected, put it in the comments, uh, put in your data. I'd love to hear what other people find out. Yeah, and I'll let Cody do his own math on that. But I think <laughs> what I'm going to encourage people is the best day to get out of debt is today. Okay, don't beat yourself up of what did I do? I could have had, I made a, I have people that do the math. Well, that, it could have worked to this much. I could have, you can't change the past. Yeah. Move forward. Make tomorrow a debt-free day. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, make the next day a debt-free day. Yeah, yeah. Make it a habit. Well, and so with that, we'll start wrapping things up. Uh, Dr. J, I know you are working on a great project. I want you to let folks know what it is. Yeah. So right now, uh, a lot of the data that I talk about come from a, a survey and interviews I'm doing with people on child-free wealth. That's, and if you're interested, I'm still through the month of February, if you're seeing this then. Uh, doing interviews and surveys. So childfreewealth.com slash book. And I'm also a uh, certified financial planner specializing in helping child-free folks. So that's childfreewealth.com. Um, I do offer, if you are in rough shape, you need some help, I do offer some pro bono spots. There's a waiting list, but um, I try to take on people that need that accountability. Um, you can get a free hour with me at childfreewealth.com. I can help you out. Also, if you have money and you want to invest, yeah, I can help you there too. Um, you know, it, my my first goal is to get you to zero net worth 
then to get you to your, your file and fire goals in the long term. Awesome. And with that, that's going to springboard us into what episode four is going to be about saving and investing. So uh, stay tuned to find out when we're going to do that live stream. Hope to see everyone then. Um, until then, thanks, Dr. J, for your uh, participation. Everybody uh, watching us with comments, I appreciate that. Love to see the involvement here. And yeah, until then, we'll see you next time. Have a good Bye. day. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.